Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Mike. And I'm Marty. And this is Two Guys, A League, and Some Guests. Let's get it started. Actually, something I've noticed, and I don't know why it happened, because it happened organically. Neither of us talked about it. We've completely stopped doing what we used to do for the first two seasons in the way we come into the show. We now do a countdown, and it's quiet. It used to be like you walked into a conversation. Yes. Like we were talking, and we are shooting a shit, and then all of a sudden, all right, well, you know what? Let's get the show going. We're, we're starting now. Why did we stop doing that? Um, I, I, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm not quite, and I don't like it. I'm going to be honest with you. I prefer okay. <laughs> like, listen, I, I don't like setting it up as a five, four, three, two, one. I don't like that. But it, I neither one of us said let's do this. Neither one of us said let's stop do this. So it just happened. Okay, <laughs> and it's just funny. I finally fucking said something about it, <laughs> and I don't like hey. it. I like the old concept of like, it feels like you're walking into a conversation that two people are having at a bar. I love that okay, idea. Then you know what? We go right back to it. That, that, that's just that's the end of it. The conversation well, over. Well, I think we're in it well, now. We're in it. Right, I was I just going to say. We, and that's what's happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so folks, we are coming back to, to, to our, the old way that we used to come back into the show. You'll come into our there show with a nice little conversation. Mm-hmm. Me and Marty just kind of spitballing, you know, mm-hmm. talking about the day's events. So guess what? Yeah. You're in our latest episode of Two Guys, A League, and Guest, better known as Two Galag. This is episode 17, Marty. Episode 17. So let's get to it here. Yes, it is. We've got, uh, we've got a pretty packed episode. Brought to you by... THPN and DraftKings. Let's not forget that. Cannot, of course, we don't need to lose that part. Can, that still we makes cannot sense. forget that whatsoever. I mean, they kind of give us a little stipend there every month. So yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Um, we got a pretty packed episode for you this week. Um, around the boards, of Here course. We go. Here we uh, go. We've got check my fanny. We are going to throw a who are you um, at our listeners this week, and of course, we're going to finish everything off with uh, Beauties and the Beast, like we always do. So let's get to yes. it, Marty. Around the boards, and I approached Marty, folks, uh, probably about midweek last week. And listen, I'm just going to go ahead and say <laughs> here, I've been massively critical of the Oilers over the past, well, since we started this podcast. Um, Pro- you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I I get on them pretty good in regards to the goaltending, so on and so forth, changes that they need to make, uh, culture, whatever the case may be. So you know what. Uh, I have to give credit where credit is due. Um, we're talking about the Edmonton Oilers, of course, folks, because they're on a, what is it now, Marty? 13-game win streak? I think she's 13, yeah, I believe. Yeah, I believe it's she 13. Bloated. Which is the new record, right? It's a new Canadian record, It's, it's right? up there. So, you know what? I got to give them credit. So, I'm going to do that right now. And we're going to go over some of the numbers like we always do. Let's get to it. Record of 42 games played, 26 wins, 15 losses, one in overtime for 53 points. They have a 650 or sorry 631 points percentage, 149 goals for and 122 against. That's a plus 27 goal differential. They're third in the Pacific. This may have this might have changed over the course of the weekend, but when I wrote this, they were third in the Pacific, 11th overall. They're ranked fifth offensively at 3.50 goals for per games played. They're ranked 12th defensively, and actually, I bet you that surprises a lot of people. They're they're ranked that close to the top 10 in regards yeah. to defense. 
that says a lot about uh, Mr. Knobloch, and we'll get to that. Um, again, ranked 12th defensively at 2.90 goals against for games played. Power play, ranked 6th. Maybe a little bit surprising that it isn't kind of towards that top three, if you will. But hey, top 10, 25.4%. Um, again, what's a little surprising, penalty kill, ranked ninth. So both special teams are in the top 10. It's exactly where you want to be. Uh, the others sit at 82.2% uh, for the uh, penalty kill. And listen, I mean, again, like I said, the run that this team's been on, it's nothing short of impressive. I mean, 13-game win streak is, is yeah. I mean, they, they have they have righted the ship from the slow start that they had uh, at the beginning of the year, and they've done it in a right hurry. Um, not only do I have to give the actual team, the organization, they're just desserts, but I also have to give Stuart Skinner his as well. I mean, I've been critical of him in the yes. past, and, uh, you know, rightfully so. But rightfully so, he needs to he needs to be praised uh, in his play over the last little while. Uh, I mean, look, we we for the for the better part of two two and a half years here, Marty, we were always talking about consistency, and they just need a guy to make the saves at the right time. You know, just kind of do the the league average, kind of be maybe a little bit better than average, so to speak. And he's doing exactly exactly that. He's twenty one nine and one with a two point five three goals against average and a nine oh six save percentage. Now, look, would you love to have a 2.21 goals against average in a sparkling like 927 save percentage? Of course, anybody does, whether that's a fantasy manager or whether that's the organization themselves. But uh, going back to that consistency yeah. and giving the Oilers a team that is very built on offense, giving them what they need in the defensive, in the defensive end and more importantly in the crease. And I'm sorry, 2.53 Marty and 906 is going to be just fine. For what the Oilers Absolutely. need. I mean, last year we were talking about two goalies yeah. that were sub 900. For a, sub fourth, for a fourth ranked offense, that's fine. more, that's more fine. than more than. And you know what? Yeah. They, they have leaned on him. They've leaned on Skinner too there this year. Like, I mean, with, with Campbell yes. yeah. in the minors, they leaned on him more than they should have. And on top of all of that, he has responded well to that too. So listen, things are going well for the Oilers in the crease. Stuart Skinner is playing like a goaltender that can get them deep into the playoffs. Um, you know, what does the second half hold for every, everybody? We're going to find out. It's going to be the fun part of it. So let's see what happens. Knobloch has brought accountability and structure to that defensive zone to go along with a record of 23-6 and six as a head coach. And that's one thing I have to say. I mean... I go back to something we talked about specifically, and I wish I could remember the player. I think it might have been Bouchard um, when Jay Woodcroft was still around. And I lamb-blasted Woodcroft for this. He kept putting out Bouchard, and I believe it was Bouchard, after he had made an egregious mistake, he just kept oh, putting him that, out actually. there, putting him out there, putting him out that is that type of stuff. I, I can't pick on any specific player, but that type of stuff has ended. Knobloch has brought accountability to that organization. And if you are not mm -hmm. going to, if you're not going to be accountable for your play, he's going to take care of that for you. The only problem is, is that's going to be on the bench. So you want to be on the ice. You, you better be playing not only the structure that he had, but it's a team concept. And that's one thing that I've I found over the course of the last few weeks 
watching a couple of these Edmonton games, you know, especially uh, on the Saturdays, you get the, the later the later game. I've been taking in a lot of yeah, the Oilers yeah. right now, and it the best way I can put it, M- Marty, is they seem to be a more cohesive group, and that has led mm-hmm. to a lot of things. You got your Michael McLeods now, or uh, yeah, Mike McLeod. He's getting some secondary scoring in there. You've got um, Fogel getting in there. He's getting some secondary scoring in there as well. So that's helped uh, the likes of the big guns, who, by the way, haven't had to have like five point and four point nights every night. If you go over, if nope, you go over exactly. in particular a guy like McDavid over the past, say, oh, I don't know, a couple of weeks, let's say, maybe a handful of games, five, yeah. six, seven games. I'm not. He's he's having his usual, you know, a two pointer or a three pointer. But they're he, they're not having to rely on those big two Drysdale and McDavid anymore, at least in in the last little while with the secondary scoring that they're getting. So that certainly mm-hmm. helps big time over over the course of everything. Um, never thought I'd say this about the Edmonton Oilers, but they're playing some great defensive hockey over the past couple of months. And listen, the numbers don't lie. <coughs> I mean, if you go on and check all of the numbers on NHL.com, you can get all of the the specifics. This it's legit, man. Like this isn't just oh they're kind of getting lucky in the defensive yeah. end here. No, man, this is legit. During the thirteen game win streak, no, 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 this... they have they're they've allowed one point six seven goals against per sixty. There's only two games in that thirteen that they gave up three goals against, and there's five of them. There's five games with less than two goals against. So. Like, I mean, listen, if this was like a little five game pack, I'd say that'll win you, games. you know, <laughs> but you're talking about 13 games here, guys. Like, you know, you're talking about over one eighth of the season. You're at the point at 13 games. You're at the point where you're not second guessing. Oh, are they on a lucky streak? You're at the point where you're like, no, no, no. Too, too this big is of a sample team. size now, man. It's too big. Oh, well, that's a, exactly. Yeah. It's not an eight gaming win. It's not an eight game win streak, which, by the way, would be impressive as well. But that's not enough. You've got 13. Now you're at the point, like I said, where this is who they are. This is why the secondary scoring, this is how the secondary secondary scoring, because if you look at them, like even the players we, we mentioned, they're not, you know, they're not jumping off the stat sheets and getting you all kinds of, of goals and, and points and all that kind of stuff. They're not. But they're stepping up and they're scoring no goals. And you don't need more than that because your defense is stepping in and finishing the game for you. So that's where that balance comes in, and that's where it's important that, yes, you've got secondary scoring. It may not be the best in the league, but it's enough to win you games because your defense is so sound. So it, it's all about the system. All of this is about the system. And Knobloch's system is the one that fits this team in particular extremely well. And I think, the like like you said, it's no longer a small sample size. This isn't a lucky streak for Knobloch. This is who they are. For, for me... I just find them so much more of a cohesive unit. And I, and I know I'm, I'm somewhat repeating myself from what I said earlier. It's just, you, you can kind of say, I mean, McDavid's McDavid. I mean, there's nobody that can, that can keep up to him. So, I mean, it, it looks like he's kind of doing you know it on his own doing. a little bit when he, when he goes on those rushes, right? But I, it's just, everything seems to be yeah, a little yeah. bit more balanced. The gold set, the goaltending seems to have calmed down a little bit. Now look, Bouchard, are there still some defensive lapses? Yes, there are, but what I can say is that his defensive game as a whole is improving while still not taking anything away from his offensive game. And, I mean, 
I don't know how much more you want, much more offense you want out of this kid. 11 goals, 31 assists, yeah. 42 points in 42 games. He's a point of game player right now. And listen, that boosh bomb from the point, it, it's an, it's, oh, yeah. it's another weapon. And I'm not, I'm not just talking about that in an offensive manner. Like, yes, he can score with that shot, but I mean, a lot of teams don't have that big bomb from the point like they used to in days past. Right, Marty? So you're able to defend differently because a lot of teams don't have that heavy shot from the point. I mean, there's not a lot of, right. you know, Shea Weber's not in the league anymore. There's, there's not a lot of these guys that do this kind of thing. And Bush is one of them. And that, yeah. that adds another layer to that power play. I mean, it's mm -hmm. ridiculous as it is. But now you have to, you're going to have to have that forward move up just a bit to somewhat try and take that shot away from him. So again, that's just opening up more ice for the, your McDavid's and your Dreisaitl's and your Nugent Hawk. Like him, him really solidifying that, that shot and that boosh bomb at the point for me, that be that again, it like I say, it just adds another layer to that power play. You're just you're having to think, okay, I got McDavid over here, I've got Dreisaitl over here. You're you're always keeping an eye out for the distributor in Nugent Hopkins. Now this guy can just let one fly mm -hmm. and beat you. Like and beat you. He's not just getting it on net. No. We're scoring this guy scored eleven goals so far. And listen, I, I have to say probably half of those have been from a bomb. So I mean it, again. It's just giving you another layer to that to that power play and just making these guys that much more dangerous. But I mean, for me overall though, Marty, what's what's really making this team dangerous is their defensive play and how that has improved over the I mean, this 13 games is, is proof of that. Like you can go right to this winning streak, forget everything else, and mm -hmm. look at the way they're playing the game of hockey. <clears throat> Offense is still there, they're still getting the job done, but that was never really a worry. It was always the defensive end and the goaltending. And at the bit, you know, even the guy who's the most pessimistic out there can at the very least say that both of those things have quieted down at the very, very least quieted down. Me personally, I think they both improved substantially, but I mean, listen, you got the second half coming up. I mean, teams are going to be fighting and scratching and clawing here in the second half. So there's no easy games like there, there never really is, but like th this is go time now. Like the, the teams that need to fight and get back into a playoff spot, they're all over it. The teams that are in, they're fighting to stay there. So it is going to be one hell of an interesting second half. Uh, the Oilers have their, their work cut out for them. But over this past 13 games, they have put themselves from us questioning, are they going to be able to get a wild card and get into this playoff? To yeah. now, I mean, all the Oilers need to do is Who's continue playing at a reasonable pace and i mean they're they're in comfortably mm -hmm. i mean we're, we're talking about a top three we're not even talking wild card anymore so for me this 13 game winning streak has done a lot for this oilers team um obviously nothing short of just getting them up in the standings but there's a lot of underlying things here i think that um both players management organization fan base can be extremely extremely happy about and i'm not again i'm not just talking about the actual 13 game win streak i think there's a lot of layers here that the uh 
that 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 the uh, the fan base can be quite happy and proud of for that matter. And it, honestly, you you kind of said it best uh, um, earlier on in this segment where we're talking about Knobloch specifically and the kind of stuff that he's brought that you know that accountability and that really resonates with this team. And it reminded me that a few weeks back I actually ran a poll on our Twitter feed, and and the poll was basically do fans think that it's the coach, the players, or both that have really turned this thing around and the consensus at the time was both and i have to honest i I respectfully disagree i then and now like because to me it's the coach it's the coach's system it's the coaches it's the coach that reinforces it um the run that came about from the time that they hired knoblock and he deserves all the credit so now yes the players are the ones executing it but it's the coaches changes to this team the system their mentality that's who really deserves the credit for this like woodcroft was close he was when he first came in it seemed that that was the magic uh the magic potion or the or the cure to it all but it kind of fizzled out pretty quickly i'm not suggesting that this won't happen with knoblock but the way he runs this team really seems like a better fit than any other coach that's been around since mcdavid has come in the board uh, come on to the nhl so to me knoblock has that perfect balance of allowing the team i find there's more communication with the mm-hmm team like as a team they look like they're, they're communicating better it be it verbally or with body language or just because they're in the right place at the right time that's all part of communication and when you watch them play like you were saying earlier there's such a great cohesiveness to this team the way they move it's a lot more fluid now as opposed to what when it was under jay woodcroft it was it worked it clicked but not all the time and it's so it came off as a bit jittery you had your good days and your bad days but down the stretch it really became something that it looked like the kids the kids the players were just kind of done with not it might sound a little harsh but they they didn't look like they believed in the system anymore um i don't care what they were saying to the press it just didn't look like they believed it anymore so a fresh new start with a fresh new system was actually kind of the perfect um concept but finding that perfect system was still going to be a mystery you could bring in any coach they'll bring their system and it may or may not work. It may work for a little while because it's it's fresh blood and it, it's new and it's so you can go with it for a little bit. But then if it really doesn't mesh well with your players and the team, then you find out pretty quickly it's just not going to work. So you, you end up finding out that you did a coaching change, but the system ultimately is going to fail you as well. So you're going nowhere. So you finish the season, then you go out and you find a different coach. Well, this particular coaching change is one of the most successful ones I ever, I've ever seen, uh, at least in recent memory anyways, where things really clicked and really turned and stayed in that direction the entire in fact they found a new trajectory obviously with the with this new 13 game winning streak which by the way is the Oilers milestone is the longest win streak by a Canadian team in NHL history passing the uh 1967-68 Montreal Canadiens who won 12 in a row sorry don't bud. even bud <laughs> don't even taking taking away our our, our, our power play uh <laughs> taking away like Jesus anyway no you know what don't, you're welcome the, the you're one welcome. thing I will say and and you have to give it to the in particular the leadership group out there in Edmonton I mean look Marty I mean you've gone through Tippett and then Knobloch comes in and then uh, you've got, or sorry, um, Woodcroft comes in, and then you've got Knobloch. That's a lot of coaches here over the last couple of years here. And you you could have your leadership team kind of be a little ho-hum about it. And this, they bought in, Marty. They bought in, or you wouldn't have this 13-game winning streak. So the players themselves have bought in Basically. to what Knobloch is selling. And, I mean, here here are the results. And... You got, listen, again, I go right back to the top of the show. I've been critical of these guys for the better part of two years and more now. Like, you know, and and same thing with the Leafs. But 
you got to give it to him. I mean, you know, it's all well and good that it's a 13-game win streak, and, and that's the obvious stuff, right? But it's the defensive side that we've been yeah. talking about through through this whole segment here that's mm-hmm. really, really impressed me. And listen, uh, you know, just as much as I'm ready to kind of uh, nail somebody down whenever I, I think they're doing something the wrong way or it's wrong roster construction, whatever the case may be, you know, I, I'm going to be the same way the other way around here. And flat out, the tip of the cap to the Edmonton Oilers here over the course of the last month and, and more because uh, they have got that ship righted um, to the point where, I mean, again, they're, they're in the playoffs, dude. They're, they're, they're a top three team. Yeah. We're not kind of scratching and clawing at what. Like, they made the move. They, 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 this is... This is who the Edmonton Oilers should have always kind of been to a certain degree. I mean, I know they needed to find their footing a little bit. Well, no, that's, that's what we expected. Absolutely, it's what we expected them coming out of the gate because they weren't nowhere near any of these no, kinds of numbers no. out of the gates. And that was part of the, the, the frustration, the disappointment in the early early goings for this team. Like, you got to remember, like and we talked about the numbers at the beginning of the, se- uh, at the, beginning of the segment with Skinner, uh, Stuart Skinner. You know, it, it doesn't come out right now at 253-906. Okay, that's good. It's impressive. It's enough to win, especially on a team like this. And you talk about 12th uh, for the goals against uh, per game. And then you talk about uh, 9th penalty kill, 82. 2.2 and even six at 25.4 on the power play whereas you know last year they just were, were so head and shoulders above everybody else on the power play but all of these numbers all of these numbers are all vast improvements take take these exact stats and go back at the beginning of the yeah. season and have a look at the numbers under jay woodcroft these are all like 10 point jumps these are all huge improvements wait until the end of the year wait and come back and look at these numbers like mid-season after this 13 well who knows when this win streak may or may not end um but at some point you'll have to come back and have a look at that because i guarantee you they're gonna these numbers are gonna keep going up the power play is gonna get better it's sixth it doesn't need to but it's going to because that's their current trajectory their penalty kills ninth it's going to get better um goals per game it doesn't need to get better, but it might also get better. The goals against per game has been nothing but going up. At one point, there were 26. So this is this is a double up. Like this is nothing but constantly getting better numbers across the board for everybody. Like um, we were just talking about Evan Bouchard. Like you know, he's your offensive-minded defenseman. That's your guy. That's your yeah. like you said, your Bush bomb. He's got 11 goals, 31 points. Well, he's a plus seven. He's not doing bad. He's the guy who's going to take that risk to get you that goal or to, you know, to dish off to somebody else, but he's not playing in a risky level. He's got it under control. He's a plus seven. He's only behind Darnell Nurse and Cody Cece, who are defensive first defensemen. So you've got your best offensive player, one of your 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 boosh bomb, your weapon on offense, at a at a playing defensively and playing extremely well offensively. These are just Across the board, this is how you manage your team. These are the right ways to do things with the players that you have. I mean, quite simply, I mean, th- this was always a bit of a scary team, at least when it came to the offense, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, if these guys continue to believe, if they continue <laughs> to buy in, and if they continue to play with that structure, Marty, th- th- this team is at another level because it, Who's now they're them? able to defend and stop the puck. A few teams. So, listen. Edmonton yeah. Oilers, tip of the cap to you. Great 13-game winning streak. Getting yourself in the way, much, much better position, uh, in particular as you're heading towards the deadline and into the second half here. But uh, 
Edmonton Oilers, man, you are yeah. definitely on one hell of a run. And I, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, I think they have some like kind of bottom feeder teams here over the next little bit too. So they have games this, in this hand. This could this could go on for a little well, bit. And so. they've got games in hand. Like Vancouver's got forty within the Pacific Division. They're Vancouver's at the top, obviously within points, but uh, also with games played at forty six. Mm-hmm. Edmonton's got forty two. So that's four games in hand. That's eight points. Can do that puts damage, them man. at sixty one. It, it, if they win those those four games, that's 61 points. They're second in their division, five behind Vancouver, who has never <clears throat> never slowed down all season long. It's very impressive. So you know what? I mean, the Ed- the Edmonton Oilers, we're going to see how things play out here in the second half. And, I mean, they again, they certainly put themselves in a much better position than they were at the start of the year. Um, unless there's anything else that you wanted Maybe. to add to, uh, to no. the Oilers, Marty. Moving on. The big news, the big news over the weekend was Patrick Waugh uh, taking over for Lane Lambert in uh, on the island. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to go over the numbers here. We're going to get right into it. But I like this move. I like this move. And if I'm not mistaken, I think you do too, Marty. So you know what? Let's Buku. get to it. Record of 45 games played, 19 wins, 15 losses, 11. 11 in overtime. Like, guy, just start winning some of these in regulation here. 49, 49 <laughs> points on the year, uh, 544 points percentage, 132 goals for. This is ugly, especially from a, an Islanders team. 151 goals against. They're minus 21 goal differential. Oof. They are sixth in the Metro, 19th overall. They're ranked 24th offensively at 2.93 goals for per games played. This is where it starts to get a little wacky, especially from the Islanders. They're ranked 24th defensively giving up 3.36 goals against per games played. Power play is 11th. So I guess that that's something good to look at, especially from the Islanders um, at (laughs) 22.8. Again, the defensive side is where things are a little wacky here with this team. The the penalty kill is ranked 29th, man, out of 32 teams, 73% even. So anyway, like, I mean, the numbers are a little wacky, especially from the defensive side of things. But like I like I mentioned off the top, the big news that came out of the island uh, was Patrick Robb replacing Lane Lambert. Um, at the very, very least, this just gives a shot of adrenaline uh, to that team. Things have gotten big time stagnant with Lane Lambert, that's for sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obviously they, they've gotten uh, they've got a little bit of offense that they can throw at you for sure. The only problem is it tends to only be really the one line. But, I mean, look, I'm not the biggest Lamorello fan, but I do like this move. Aside from any kind of a blockbuster trade, which you weren't going to do. I mean, they're trying to build something there offensively, not take away from it, right? Like, aside from a big blockbuster, this was about one of the only things that you could do to kind of snap the the players, the fan base, the organization out of of this doldrum. Because it, it, it was just getting so stagnant, it wasn't even funny. And Roy coming in there is going to in, inject a lot of um, um, energy. Uh, the guy, in his first couple of practices, I swear to God, the guy didn't stop talking. Now, I, uh, of course, there was a lot that he wanted to get across, I'm sure. But I tell you what, I, listen, I know that the Islanders have kind of been my, you know, this little baby that I've had over the last couple of years, and I'm always kind of rooting for them. But I do think that this team has a group that can get themselves into the playoffs. I don't know where they can go once they get there, Marty. I'm not going to start giving you the, ah, this team can go two, three. 
I don't know. They they could easily yeah. they could easily go deep and they could easily get smoked in the first round. But I do believe they have what it takes to get in there. And the dangerous part about a team like that is when you have a guy like Sorokin in net. He can completely and utterly steal games. So that becomes yeah. a bit of a dangerous entity if if they can get themselves into the playoffs. Now, it was a good start last night. They won their first game with Roy behind the bench. Overtime, kind of funny that it comes off of a Matt Duchesne turnover. So Patty <laughs> kind of gets back at Matt Duchesne again. If you remember those days when he <laughs> when Matt scored his first 30-goal season, put his arms up in the air, and Roy wasn't really happy about it. But anyway, that's for a story for another day. I mean, <laughs> and I mentioned it whenever I, I kind of shot the numbers out there. The surprising thing about this year is they lost their identity. Like, the, the, yeah. the Islanders have been known as a def- stout defensive group over the course of, you want to say, probably easily the last three, five years. And to see them where they are yeah. and where the metrics are defensively is a little surprising. Um, you know, could, could some of this be mitigated with, you know, an even heavier offensive game with some more weapons? Okay, yeah, I, I I'll buy that for a dollar, but if these guys can again, we talked about Edmonton and how that defensive structure has really gone a long way in helping them over the last bit. You can throw the Islanders into that same group at least in regards to that. If these guys can get some some extra yeah. stops from Sorokin, who is not, by the way, having a Sorokin type of year, but has played well for them in spurts. Nope. They need more consistency from him. They need a yeah. little bit more of a structured game in front of him and a team, a team as a whole, team defense. But I like what I, I like mm-hmm. what I saw last night. I do think that he's going to be able to get this team righted. Do they have enough runway to get into the playoffs? I don't know. I don't know. But I do think they, they have the personnel there so. now to get there. So it's a matter of... I mean, and, and Roy said it himself, like they are playing playoff hockey the rest of the year. That, that's it. And rightfully so. I mean, yes. you're in the third week of January here. So yeah. if, it, if it's not good, if you're outside Still... looking in, you need to get it going and you need to get it going now. So the New York Islanders will definitely be in playoff mode. And dude, if they get in there, if they get in there, this is the same... I, I'll link this up a little bit to the St. Louis Blues in 2019. They were out of a playoff spot oh. big time in January. And they, they just like the Islanders, will have to do now. And just like any team will have to do now that's outside the playoffs and is trying to get in, it's yeah. playoff hockey, man, in January. Yeah. It is. Like, y- you haven't got another 10-game spell where you can be like, oh, well, let's figure it out. No, dude. Like, we're what? We're like 44, an average of what? 44, 43 games into the season here. Uh, some teams upwards of 46, I think you said it earlier. So we're coming yeah. up to the 50 point here, folks. By the end of the week, some teams are going to be pushing up against that 50 yeah. games. It's it's go. It's time. Well, Tampa's already at 47. So, yeah. to, so to get back to the Islanders, Roy definitely has the right idea. Every last little game, including last night, is playoff hockey for these guys. And I'll tell you, and again, going back to them having a little bit of a, uh, an offensive game, they do have some weapons. Barzal, 12, 34 for 46 and 44 games. Oh, yeah. Dobson on the back end, 6, 39 for 45 and 45. Horvat, 18, 24 for 42 and 44. 
like you're getting pretty close to some and yeah i am going to give a little bit of love to my friend brock nelson 20 goals do it you i have, have to. to i have to the guy hits 20 goals 20 goals in the national hockey league is nothing to sneeze at so what regardless of how i feel about the guy 20 goals at the halfway mark too 20 goals brock nelson sweet job wish you weren't doing as well as you were but hey that's that's a conversation for another day so they can provide <laughs> some offense they just need a little stop here or two on that defensive yeah. side and if they can shore that up a little bit they're going to start winning hockey games. Are they going to win enough to get to the playoffs again? I don't know. But hopefully, hopefully for them, Roy's going to give them that new coach bump that, you know, most of these teams do get. Uh, You know, some of them don't, but most do. Well, there was already an interview with Barzell, and he talked about how he had a conversation with, you saw that? Magic to my ears, he said. Yeah, but did you also see the, did you also see the interview where he spoke French? No, I didn't. Yeah, man, he answered. Barzell? Yes. He answered a whole question in French. Holy and, shit. And a, a lot, you know, to kind of piggyback on what you're saying here, I think he, listen, I don't think anybody hated Lambert. No, but, and he but, was he was quick some, to say that. But some players work better with certain coaches than others. And I think Barzal is quite happy to see Patty Roy behind the bench. Well, one thing that Barzal did talk about that he enjoyed that Patrick Roy is has already talked about that he's bringing to this team is puck possession. And that's the big thing for Patrick Roy is that he wants to control the puck yep. all the time, obviously. I mean, if you own the puck, the team can't score. That's that's the end of the day. That's So we create all of the, all of the movement of the pucks, uh, you know, the direction of the game. That's going to be on us. That's what Patrick Roy wants to bring to this to this team and I think he can absolutely do it not just because he's Patrick Watt but because at the end of the day there are some pieces on this team that can do exactly that but have never never really been given an opportunity to flourish with it and Barzal is actually one of those players we've seen it in spurts because he's just so talented but he's always been suffocated by the fact that this is a defensive minded team first and that's Lou Lamorello that's his blueprint that's Mm -hmm. what he wants to work with well I think Lamorello has seen enough that that's just not enough to work in this in this type of NHL. Kudos to him for actually looking outside of his box and seeing that, no, this is not working and we need to do this if we want to hope in hell of anything this year. So, you know, it's funny because we were just sitting here praising Knobloch for being the right coach to turn the ship around. Seems like Demers believes full-blown uh, that Wack can do the same thing. And, and honestly, I think he can too. I think Patrick Wack knows more about how to play the game than most NHL coaches out there who currently have jobs. Like his resume doesn't do his hockey IQ justice, even though it's a really impressive resume. Patrick Wack is, is a different breed of hockey. Um, you're talking about the greatest of the greats. So now, now you you're in the what, mix. Marty? Like, yeah, You know what, Marty? I, 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 he's a winner. That's like it. For, 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 he, he's a winner. He's won as yeah. a player. He's won as a coach, both in the yeah. National Hockey League and uh, in junior. Like, mm-hmm. it, it. I guess what I'm trying... For, for me, it's really, really hard to bet against him. Do you know what I mean? You can, you can yeah. think however you want about Patty Roy. If you're a Habs fan, you hate the night that he... You know, went over to Ronald Corey and basically ended his I love career it. with that. Like, <laughs> you can think whatever you want. And and by the way, I don't hate the guy. I really don't. Like, I mean, it was a bad night for us. But hey, my point is, is that yeah, he he is a winner at every level, and he's going to be again. And listen, oh yeah, he's not he's not inheriting. You can't stop. Inheriting stop Duck. He's not inheriting the Anaheim Ducks. He's not inheriting a rebuilding team. He's inheriting a team that can do some no. damage. And ready to go. 
and, and they've been in the me, playoffs that, recently so <laughs> and and to me that's going to be uh that's going to be the big piece for me is like this guy's coming into something that is that is already listen would do they want to be in a better spot sure they do but it's a team that can actually do some damage, and I really think Roy's going to pull, pull every little bit out of it. I kind of like their position right now, where they're not the not because they're out of the the playoffs, but I just it, they're in a spot Nobody's where they're going to be. Them. Well, not only that, they're as a team, they're going to have to really play hard to not just they're, they're they're currently one game behind Tampa Bay for the final playoff spot. They're they're. They're they're as much in it as they're out right now, and they're only out by a technicality. So, they, there's lots of runway for them to make the playoffs, and not just make the playoffs, but still find a potentially find a really nice spot, nice soft landing spot for them. But what I'm getting at is they've got an opportunity now to really gain some momentum at the right time with a new coach and a new system, and get excited about it and see what it can do and work out maybe some of the kinks. But I, I don't know. I see this as being a very smooth transition for them, and I can mm -hmm. see them climbing into you know fifth, maybe even fourth spot, and and putting themselves in a nice spot. And then playoffs start, and now you've got all this energy, right? Like, oh my god, they brought in the new coach and the new system, and everything's working, and everything's clicking. It, it feels great. And, you know, Eli Sorokin is starting to play like Patrick Watt for some reason. Well, it's because you got Patrick Watt as a head coach, and that's probably going to rub off on him too. So the timing of everything is very exciting. There's a lot to sink your teeth in as, a, as an Islanders fan right now. And honestly, I, I'm fine with them. It'd be different if they were like in 13th spot. Right now I'm looking at yeah, Montreal yeah. being a 13th spot. Like they were 45 points versus 8th spot being 53. That's a bigger hill to climb. Still doable, but that's a lot more hope than, than, than anything, than reality. This, realistically speaking, is fine. You're two points out of the playoff spot, but you got a game in hand. You win one game and you might even leapfrog a couple people so this is not going to be a difficult situation for them they just need to embrace what's out there and game one in the books already Sorokin you know the the second um well of the three stars of that game he was the second star um so obviously Sorokin you know energized by it as well bars out with two assists in that game it, it all suggests that this is the right piece but you know pump the brakes a little bit let's wait let's get a little more games under our belts and see but I'm not saying this is the second coming of Knobloch. I'm saying as a potential of it, though. So that's worth well, getting excited about. Well, I, and and like you said, Marty. I mean, the, the position that they're in, standing wise, uh, you know, thankfully things are a little bit jammy when it comes yeah. to the standings, right? So, the, and like you say, they're not far off, right? Like in all reality, no. right now, Tampa Bay is sitting with the final uh, wild card spot at 53 points. The Islanders have 51. Mm -hmm. The Islanders actually have a game in hand on the Lightning. Um, yeah. But again, I think once they can get that defensive structure kind of, you know, lower, they're sitting at a minus 20 goal differential right now. If you can get that kind of closer to that zero mark a little bit here over the next couple of weeks, you know, month, month and a half, uh, kind of bring that down a little bit. You, you certainly have, a ch like you say, Marty, they're, they're, they're not out of it, not by a long shot. And I mean, I think now was the time to do it. You certainly didn't want to let things go for another, you know, anywhere from two weeks to a month no. here with uh, with Lane Lambert. So uh, I think they made the right move. I think they got the right guy. Uh, and I think it's the right guy for that team, as a matter of fact, yeah. as well. Uh, so, you know, what? Yep. Good, good move on their part. I, I really do like the move. Uh, it's great to see Patty Roy back in the NHL. I think that's where he belongs. I mean, don't get me wrong. It is. Does great, great work with the junior team at Quebec. He, I mean, he owned them for the longest time. I think he still does. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, the New York Islanders, you're not in the playoff spot right now. But you know what? That could very well be in your future here if you guys can kind of shake the, shake the rust off here a little bit and, and get your game where it should have been the whole year, at least the defensive side of it anyway, uh, and get that squared away. I think you're going to be, uh, I think you're going to be uh, doing some good business here um, over the next few weeks. So Edmonton Oilers, New York Islanders, kind of going a little bit in different directions, but uh, both exciting times for both franchises yeah. uh, for different reasons, obviously. Um, yeah. But uh, there you have it. There's our around the board segment for this week. Uh, we're going to obviously jump into uh, a segment of Who Are You and get into uh, Check My Fanny and a little bit of news with the CFHL. But first, we're going to take a, a small commercial break and hear a word from our sponsors, DraftKings. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877 8 H-O-P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. All right, who are you? Um, just a little bit, eh? That's nice. That's nice. Just, just a little Good snippet. Little we can't give you the whole song. We don't have enough no, money. No, wow. Um, I'll make so, that kind of cash. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we're just a small um, podcast here. We're not spitting chiclets. Um, so I think we've done one of this. Just so, just to recap, what this is, it's we're sort of playing it off, pretending that we're a GM. And there's something that needs to be done, but what is it that needs to be done? So I will I will project or project. Wow, I will suggest that Mike is a GM of a certain team, and then Mike will do the same thing for me, and we'll give our best assessment of what we feel that particular GM should do. Does that make Let's sense? Do yes. it. Yes, yes, right. it does. So I'll go first. Mike, are yep. you ready? <clears throat> I think so. All right, get but get ready, bud. So you're Rob Blake. Your team okay. is uh, two and ten. Since December 28th, your surprising hot goalie has gone very cold. You can't win at home. All of your players have fallen below the point of game pace. And with only one injury to point at, the rationale behind why this team has fallen to seventh in the conference seems to point at something. But what is that something? Is it the coach? Is it the players? Is it both? What do you do? Well, it's, listen, not the coach. Um, I think okay. Todd McClendon's fine. I don't think that's going to be an issue. Um, okay. uh, is does some of this lie in the players? Yes, it does. Obviously, their team play over the last little while, and in particular, the defensive play. Uh, this, as we know, Los Angeles is a pretty stout defensive team as well, um, and that's kind of gone by the wayside a little bit here. 
I want to say for the better part uh, of a month. I mean, that's three weekish to a month kind of thing. Um, so yes, a little bit does lie on the players. Um, what do I do? First and foremost, I, as much as I went out in midseason and got Cam Talbot in the first round and Yammer Yammer and Yammer Yammer. No, you I didn't. You're Rob th- Blake. Mike did. I, I do think that, yes, I did. I did in our fantasy pool. Um, Rob Blake didn't. Um, but if I am Rob Blake, I am going out and I am kind of poking around to see what kind of goaltending is out there. Um, I know the type of team that I have. Um, I know that we're kind of a nice mix of veterans and some, some nice youth uh, coming in there. Um, and, I, and I do want to shore up the goaltending. Uh, I would probably like to go out and get somebody to kind of uh, uh, spell Talbot, um, kind of be literally a 1A and a, one, a 1B, um, or re- two 1As, two 1Bs, however you want to look at it. Because um, I don't think you're going to get necessarily that quote-unquote starter who would totally supplant uh, a guy like Talbot. But I do think you can get somebody right. that is either kind of in a tandem or can kind of, you know, if if Talbot kind of sputters at, at all, like he has been, uh, you have somebody that can kind of come in and spell yeah. that. Um, you know, I'm thinking maybe somebody... Uh, I'm kind of thinking Merz Lincolns. And the only reason why I'm doing that is because uh, Columbus and... The uh, the Kings have a little bit of a trade history from last year. Corpusalo going over there at the deadline with uh, Gavrikov. Um, yeah. I'm thinking maybe there's you know some goodwill there, uh, some open lines of communication from last year there too. So uh, it's quite a possibility that that's. I'm not now. I'm not saying specifically Merz Lincolns, but somebody like that. Like obviously Merz Lincolns doesn't necessarily yeah. come in there and kind of scream at you like, oh my God, he's completely and utterly taking over the starting job. He's absolutely number one. <laughs> like he, it wouldn't be that kind of talk of him coming in. It would literally be kind of okay. Which one of you guys is going to bring us? Is going to take us to game one of the playoffs, or who's yeah. going to be our starter in game one? Right, type of yeah. deal. I think that's what you kind of need, and that's what you're looking for. So, I mean. Keeping this fairly long winded, I think you're kind of making a trade like you did last year for 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 Corpus Allo. Um, just kind of that, you know, a guy that can come in. You've got a great structure when the team is playing well. You have a great defensive structure that can benefit that goaltender who's coming in. So, I th- I think aside from aside from <clears> that, <throat> I, I kind of I like I like the team. I like the, the personnel. Have they been going through a little bit of a rough patch? Yes. Just about every team does throughout the course of an 82-game season. The Kings are going through theirs now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you just poke around and maybe look around to see what you can get in goaltending, see if you can that up, might upgrade be... that a little bit. And I and I think that's about it, bud. And I, I agree. I think that might be the only thing that you need to do because you don't want to do too, too much here because you do have a good team. They've gone through stretches of being one of the best teams in the league. Uh, they Yes, they've fallen recently, but I think it's pretty evident as to why. Uh, it's evident as to why they were one of the hottest goalies. It's not just their offense. Their defense, specifically Cam Talbot, was lights out for the longest of time. And it, it looked weird because it just didn't add up necessarily. However, take that one element away. You see what it does to this team. So they're a goalie away from being back into where they were before, which is the top three team or a top five team in that conference. So that's really your missing piece right there. How much is it going to cost you? I'm not sure, but I think you hit the nail on the head. I think a guy like Merzlinkas is a great place to start 
Because again, that's exactly what we did with Corpus Allo last year. And, to, and it was honestly, it was the perfect, it was the missing piece. It was a perfect recipe for that team. Um, and they, they, they could have gone further last year even. They didn't. They ran into Edmonton. And that's just what's going to happen. But still, this is the kind of recipe that, that's, that spells success for a team like this. So I think you're right. I think that's the nail on the head there. And I mean, you know, LA could conceivably go big game hunting and they could go after a guy like, say, uh, a Jacob Markstrom. Oof, yeah. Who is who is kind of sort of available. We're not quite sure yeah. how Calgary feels about that. But yeah. I mean, obviously, that'd be a situation, though, Marty, where now you're having to move money out. Whereas yeah. with the Merge Lincolns things, I, I wonder if they could maybe massage that a little bit easier. Um, but again, Probably. Uh, I, I do think the Kings at some point, somewhere along the line, will upgrade their goaltending at the cost okay. of my Cam Talbot, but it doesn't really <laughs> matter since I'm not dressing him this week anyway. Um, <laughs> so so it doesn't really matter, but yeah, I think the, the Kings go out and find themselves a little bit uh, a little bit better goaltending and uh, and see what uh, what that does for them as they uh, as they charge towards the uh, the playoff round. Sounds good. So, Marty, you are up. Marty, who are yeah. you? You are GM Ken Holland. Your team has been on an absolute heater oh, for the better part of easy. two months now. The team is playing with a much more structured defensive game. You seem to have a true number one in Stuart Skinner. You've got little flexibility when it comes to the caps to your cap space. And it would have to be more of a money in, money out situation regarding any kind of trades that you make. What would be your approach in the second half of the season leading up to the NHL's trade line deadline? Well, the, unfortunately, this decision is kind of self-inflicted. Remember, I'm Ken Holland here at this point. Um, but there's two, th and it's self-inflicted for two reasons, one, both good and bad. So the, the, I'll start with the bad. It's, it's bad because I've painted myself into a corner. It, like there's, there's, I don't have much flexibility at all. Like you said, money in, money out. So that really limits my ability to do too, too much. There's some defensive holes that I probably would like to plug, and there's a goalie uh, hole I would probably like to, not maybe not a hole so much as there's, um, there's potentially a little bit of a fear there. Stuart Skinner seems to be that goalie right now. But we've seen this before. We've been down this road before, so it doesn't leave us with the you know the biggest sense of confidence in our net. Um, so what does that really leave you with? Well, I'll, in all honesty, I stand pat. I don't do anything because I think the best move that I could have done, I've already done it. I signed Knobloch to three years, and that is the thing that makes the most sense right now. That's the way he has taken this team and the way this team has taken him on. It's almost like you went out and you did your best, your biggest, biggest and best move already. Um, to go out and try to do anything else, it would almost feel a little bit forced. Because again, 13 game winning streak, not a small sample size. You know, overall, the 20, what is it, 26 and three record, two 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 uh, series of three game losing streaks. That's 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 his biggest blemish on his on his resume right now. I'm fine with that. That's a hell of a resume right now. I don't want to disrupt this. Clearly, this is working. This team has not looked this good. This team has not looked this good Fully when agreed. we brought Woodcroft in and tried that. This team looks way better than when Jay Woodcroft came in, and we were all enamored with him when he came in. This is better. This is much better than that. So if I'm being honest, 
for those two reasons. You've already done your best move, which is signing that coach and making sure he feels comfortable in his position and knows he's got some sort of security. And for two, because you've already kind of handcuffed yourself year over year with all these other moves and maxing yourself out, you don't have the the flexibility because if you go out and try to do anything, you're going to get hosed. Everybody knows that. Like, no one wants to hand Edmonton Oilers anything right now. They've got McDavid. They've got Dreisaitl. As far as everyone's concerned, you've already should have won some cups. The fact that you're losing and not winning any cups, well, that's funny to the rest of the league. Um, and they're kind of happy that you're losing. So you kind of leave it alone. Um, you, don't help out, you don't help out Goliath, right? That's not what, you're, yeah. that's not what you try to do. So... Yeah, I don't think I don't think you can really do anything, but I don't, more importantly, I don't think you need to. You've put yourself in the best position when you went out and got Knobloch. Congratulations. It's it's a move that actually worked for Ken Holland. Congratulations. It worked. Just stand pat, don't do anything else please, and uh just look forward to the future cuz I don't I don't know how much longer this winning streak's going to go on. Quite frankly, there's a part of me that wishes it would just end just so we can kind of come back to earth a little bit and then maybe start a new one and just keep winning. Um, but we'll see. doesn't matter. Stand pat. Don't do anything. That's my advice. Fully agree. Fully agree with the assessment. The, the way the team's playing, you don't want to rock the boat. I mean, even to the point where I don't even know yeah. if they needed to bring in Corey Perry like they did, but you know what? Oh, that they want like a little that. bit of uh jam, a little bit of, um, snarl for the playoffs. I get it. I can understand it. I hope they did their due diligence in regards to the issues that, uh, went down in, in Chicago. If they did, good. Um, but yeah, I, I fully agree, Marty. I think they're in a really good spot right now. I think you just kind of l- keep that train uh, uh, running. Just keep it going, man. Keep it going. Um, listen, who are you? Makes sense. There you have it. In the books, buddy. Let's move it on. And that's how you check do Check <laughs> my fanny. Check it. Check it. Do it. Big week. It was a big week. We finished off our uh, the conclusion of our uh, midseason draft. Um, everybody got some players that they were looking for and kind of beefed up a little bit here over the over the course of the draft and uh, making a push here for the second half of the season. Um, and some results from last week uh, certainly uh, start the second half of the season off with a bang. Um, got a log jam up top of the CFHL, Marty. A little bit. The Apocalypse sitting at eleven and four. The Royals sitting at eleven and four. Uh, the Apocalypse would have the tiebreaker there due to points four. Um, right. Dragons sitting in third at 10-4-1. So right now, the top three teams in the league are half a game away from each other. <laughs> With the Dragons and Apocalypse facing off against each other this week. Yeah. Um, had to make sure to keep uh, one Cam Talbot away from my team. We, don't, we just put up 66 points last week. <laughs> Got to make sure that we don't have any of that kind of smelly, stinky kind of play coming around. Uh, We don't want any of that near the team. So even though though I drafted him for his five games to play against your brother, we're going to keep him out of the lineup this week. Yeah. Bang. So Hon Hogs lost their week. So they're down to 7-7-1. The Cougars took that matchup against the Pawn Hogs. They upped their record to 6-9. Buccaneers sit at 4-10-1. The demons at five nine and one, and the brigands bringing up the rear at three ten and two in a full rebuild. You're welcome. We've got some nice pieces in net though, yes. and that's uh, that's something I'm sure we'll uh, we'll get into over the next few weeks as well. Uh, 
I tell you, Marty and the Brigands, man, they're getting their goalie of the future set and ready to go here over the uh, over the uh, next couple I of be, years. I, and, bet, I picked enough of them. I better get well, one of them, right? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I hope so. I hope so. So, I mean, obviously, uh, the uh, the big news when it comes to CFHL is those top three teams. It's uh, it's getting pretty uh, pretty tight there now. So. We'll see how this week plays out, uh, in particular for the Apocalypse and the Dragons as they match up against each other this week. And we'll see how uh, the Royals can fare against, I believe, the Demons this week. So uh, let's see how uh, how things play out over the course of the week and see what the results are leading into week. Well, actually, this is a uh, more than a week. This is like a week yeah, and a half for us. It's a bit, yeah. Uh, so it's an extended week. It's basically going to be two weeks, but there's only yeah. like a week and a half worth of games. So... Um, yeah. it's our extended week of the season. We have one every year. Um, due to the, I seem to, I seem to play, uh, your brother, most of them, but Hey, yeah, it's all good. You know, you, you gotta, you gotta beat the best, right? You gotta, you that's gotta right. Take, you gotta you want you it. You gotta, gotta earn top, it. You got, you got, if you, it's exactly, it. if you want it, you gotta take the top teams down. So, uh, I gotta that's take, I, and I've got the, the top Stop two coming up the next two weeks. <laughs> I got the apocalypse this week and the Royals next week. So anyway, Tough, tough sledding here for the uh, the dragons over the next couple of weeks, but we got the team to get right. it done. Um, anything you want to add yes, to uh, to the old check my fanny there, Marty? No, but I'll I'll just say that it's not. I know it's not the the seasons we've had the first two years uh, of of Tugalag. We had some really. We had, I think, upwards of six teams in the running for for the championship as late into the it's season not happening as we can this year. possibly get. It's not even close this year. Like this is an entirely different type of scenario. Um, I'm hoping it's just it's a one and done. I hope this season happens, and I, I myself, I can see Tom taking a big leap as well. The Buccaneers doesn't make any sense to me. They have a very good team. They drafted well. They've got great goaltending. They've got great players. I I don't understand what happened there. Just one of those years. It, sometimes you can't explain it. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a great saying out there that I started telling my kids on my basketball team, charge it to the game. Sometimes you can't control it. That's just life. So just charge it to the game. Move on. Um, and the Cougars as well, too. Like they're they're a team that are they re, they rebuild on the fly. So they're the them being in the middle of the pack is kind of where I, I understand that they should be. And then you got the Pawnhogs, who I think should be better than where, what the record is showing. So I think next year you'll have Brigands and Demons and Pawnhogs all competing a lot harder than they are this year. So add three more teams to the mix, and I think next year is going to be a little bit more exciting in that sense. And then there's your six, right? So, But yeah, yeah exactly. you are right. I mean, we, we've been pretty deep with contending teams over the past two years, like you yeah. mentioned. And, and two, I mean, you, you throw the Pawnhogs in there if you want. They're uh, at yeah. 500, 7-7-1. Seven, seven so yeah. you can, you know, three, three big time contending teams. You can maybe throw the pawn hogs. If you're going to throw the pawn hogs, you could almost throw the Cougars in there as well, even though they are losing record. But... If you're throwing pawn hogs, you're throwing Cougars, but it definitely not like the other years in the past where no, like the, those no. six teams it was were de- legitimately it was... within arm's reach. Yeah. Winning records too. Winning records as well. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Interesting. And there um, is. All right. The... So we're going to move on to the. Beauties and the beast and <laughs> the beast. Oh, yeah. Waiting for that lag. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. That's, that's what that's what lag will give you. Eh? Just, just for the fans who are listening right now, both Mike and I live in the country and it is snowing right now. So that'll do some wonders to the Internet. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, it so, does if, wonders we, so if we really didn't get to the beauties and the beast, we're saying it now. Beauties and beast. 
<laughs> All right. There you go. Good. Let's do this. Uh, you go first, Mike. Mike. All right. Let's get this done. I have as my first beauty this week. Uh, I believe the demons picked him up in the uh, midseason. We're talking about Brock Faber, uh, Minnesota defenseman oh, yeah. who plays 31 minutes a friggin' night every second night. Um, <laughs> so, and let's give you the numbers here on Brock Faber. 45 games played, three goals, 22 assists, 25 points, plus three. He's playing 24-41 time on ice a night. That's a, as a 21-year-old, by the way. Um, nine points in his last 10, five in his last five. Kids logging huge minutes right now for the Wild this year. And with the news of Captain Jared Spurgeon gone for the year, uh, his ice time is actually going to climb here over the second half of the oh season. My God. <laughs> Something that the um, coaching staff and management will need to make sure that they mitigate. I'm not saying that you can't play the guy 24, 25, even 26 minutes. You can't be doing this 31-minute business with this 21-year-old. I, I understand he's full <laughs> of piss and vinegar. But yeah, you also want to have him still. for the next few years down <laughs> yeah. the road here too. So <laughs> yeah. uh, they'll need to watch yeah. that uh, out for that. He, along with Marco Rossi and Matt Boldy, form a strong youth movement with the Wild that is sorely needed because of that dead cap space that they have going to Suter and Parisi, right? So they need this youth. They need this youth to, to, to do well and perform, uh, and they have been. So um, good on them. Uh, currently deployed on the team's top pair, and he's also playing uh, power play one. Um, listen, the kid sees the opportunity that was given to him, period. Like it just flat out is man. Yeah, like that's it. Uh, he, he, Way to grab it, man. Doing, he is, he is. And I mean, there's other guys that had the chance to do it and he's kind of come right in and gotten the job done. And uh, listen, they, they've, they've heaped the minutes on him in a big, big way. Uh, obviously he's responded well to it. So you know what? Uh, it looks like things could, uh, could continue here in the second half of the season. I can't see why not. Um, Brock Faber, you're my first beauty this week. Beauty That's... number two. I'm going to try and do this without messing up. Yuko Pekka Lokinen. Goaltender well for the Buffalo Sabres. 11, 10, and 2. 2.61 goals against average. 908 save percentage and three shutouts. The yearly numbers are not bad. His recent numbers are ridiculous. Yeah. That's... Five and two Oof. in his last seven games. Five and two. 1.29 GAA with a 9.48 save percentage and two shutouts, bud. They were back-to-back, so, weren't they not? I think so. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. I believe you're right. Um, listen, I mean, he's really picked up his play over the last month, clearly outplaying the youngster Devin Levi. Now, yeah. listen, and, that, and that's not to shoot down Levi. He's a big part, of, big part of what the yeah. Buffalo Sabres have going on. I mean, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest, I think down the line, you prob- Levi's probably the guy. Uh, rather yeah. than uh, UPL, um, but having said that, though, the kid's making a name and making a name for himself. He's he's gone on little spurts like this before. Um, I mean, look, the team's going to be hard pressed to make the playoffs, but at least they're going to kind of figure out who they move forward with, right? Like if he keeps this up, and yeah. listen, I'm not talking guys about a 1.29 GAA and 9.48 save percentage. He's not going to keep that up. But if, but I mean, if he keeps no. playing, you know. To anywhere near this level, Buffalo will have some sort of discussion that they're going to have to have. I mean, Levi's played well in spurts, so has UPL, but th- this little run here that he's been on has been quite uh, quite something. I'll tell you that. I mean, very impressive. Can he, see, yeah. can he can he seize the Sabers net and establish himself as the team's go-to netminder in the second half? That's going to be the big question, right? I mean, they seem yeah. to be 
leaning on Levi f- to be that guy, that that guy of the future. But you know how this works out, yeah. Marty. I mean, you know, back back in the day, Jonathan Bernier was supposed to be all that in a bag of chips for the <laughs> Los Angeles Kings. Eleventh overall, first round pick. Yeah. Well, who won the cups out in LA? It wasn't Bernier. It was Jonathan Quick, who exactly. was supposed to be then the you know the 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 backup or or you know not as good or as highly touted as Bernie. Well, this could be something that kind of goes in that same direction, right? I mean, yeah. Levi's seen as kind of the golden boy a little bit, but boy oh boy, uh, Lokinen has definitely put his name in the hat. That's for sure. Yuko Pekka Lokinen, you are my second beauty this week. Okay, just got to take a big, deep breath here before we get to the next two players because All right. your boy's going through um, buyer's remorse would be the best way to put it. And the biggest reason why I'm going through buyer's remorse is because of big save Dave. David Riddick <laughs> has, come, has come back to life from the AHL and with Phoenix Copley out for the year in L.A., Riddick gets promoted to the big leagues. And with Cam Talbot Ugh. hitting the bed, Riddick comes in. Big Save Dave comes in and does what Big Save Dave does. He's 4-1-1. One, and one. This sucks. I hate even reading this. 4-1-1. GAA. 9.37 save percentage. Like, die. For the time being, Mr. Riddick has supplanted Talbot as the Kings' number one with a stellar play since the Phoenix Coppola injury. He put an end to the Kings' losing streak. He's kept a firm hold on the starter's job as, as the Kings have responded well when Big Save Dave is in goal. Uh, McClellan has stated uh, that he's willing to ride the hot hand, which is basically why I did not put Talbot in at all this week. Uh, because when I heard McClellan said uh, McClellan say that, I'm like, okay, you know, if Riddick plays well against San Jose, and it's San Jose guys so on tonight, Monday night, so I foresee a big LA win there. You probably see Riddick again in the next game. So I'm hurting badly, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> to say the least. So you know, I know what? folks I mean, at home can't see this, but there are tears. He's wiping. Uh, he just wiped uh, the tear. Small, small, <laughs> small as they may be, they are there. Um, we all know the Kings are are, are great. Uh, have a great structure when they're playing their game, which benefits yeah. any goalie. And look, I mean, Riddick's take taken over the net from Talbot, and he's reaping the benefits of that team structure. Um, David Very Riddick, much. you are my third beauty for the week. Now you got to talk beast. about it. For my beast. <laughs> I'm going to give everyone one fucking guess who my beast Ugh. is this week. Yep. You got it. It's my first round pick in the midseason draft. Cam Talbot. Oof. Thanks, guy. <laughs> Thanks for playing like a piece of garbage right into Oosh. the friggin' midseason. Anyway. Cam Talbot is 11, anyway. sorry, 14, 11, and 5. He's got a 2.43 goals against average and a 9.15 save percentage with two shutouts. You'd think that'd be pretty good, eh? But it's too bad the guy hasn't won his last five games. 
Anyway, that being said, as mentioned, Talbot has been usurped by Big Save Dave for the foreseeable future, as his dip in play over the past <laughs> month has cost him the starter's role. The yearly numbers aren't so bad, but over the past month, he's 0-5 with a 3.47 goals against average and an 890 save percentage. Good Lord. Fuck. Sorry. What? <laughs> he's played a fair bit this year 30 games played compared to the last few years he hasn't played more than 48 games in the past six seasons so he's kind of getting up there right can he regain the number one status in la will the organization bring another goaltender in well we answered those questions already yes we think they're going to bring another goaltender in and does he regain the number one status if he does it will be short-lived it will be more of a timeshare situation they want to keep him fresh because, obviously, after 30 games, he's starting to wear the fuck out. So, so Pam Talbot, <laughs> you, in the same fucking week, are my first round selection in a midseason draft and my beast for the week. Marty, over that to you. Amazing. That I'm. I don't even want to. I'm in I, awe. Dude, about, I don't know. Like that sentence alone in the same week. That is insanity. That damn it. Like I mean, that's a new kind of hurt. I've never seen that kind damn of hurt it. before. I don't think it I hurt. have. So it, yeah, it's, it's a lot of hurt. I'm hurting. Um, hurting. Okay, so I'll, I'll make this. I'll make this quickly so you can go into a corner and cry for the rest of the night. <laughs> Because I'm there for you, but Okay, um, thanks, man. Appreciate it. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, Mr. Adam Fox, three goals, five assists, eight points in eight games, or as we like to say, 11 points in our league. Um, so nothing to see here. <laughs> just Adam Fox doing Adam Fox things, putting up points and not just serving up apples. He's actually on pace to, um, to match his season output of 12 from last year, but in 20 fewer games. Uh, the the Rangers as a whole, they're to me they're kind of an enigma. Like for as great as they always are, at least for like the last you know five years, anyways. Um, Adam Fox being at the center of all this too, um, it, it always feels like they're they're the team to bet on, or at least one of the teams to bet on. But then there's just always something that kind of happens that that kind of falls out out of place. But Adam Fox had an injury, I think, early on in the season that kind of held him back from having more points than what he's got right now overall in the season, but he's, he hasn't fallen off pace at all. Like he's at a point of game and he'll get there probably uh, definitely at least within our, um, uh, within our league where we reward that those goals. But again, 12 goals in 20 fewer games to match his output of last year is a big deal. So well done, Mr. Adam Fox. Good stuff, man. Uh, Mr. Noah, yeah, well, another defenseman, Noah Dobson. We talked about him earlier, too. No goals, but nine assists in seven games. So someone who's putting up similar numbers to Mr. Adam Fox, but without the goals, Noah Dobson. Uh, and with the addition of Wa, with the intention to play a big puck possession game, I kind of expect Dobson to see uh, a few more apples on his score sheet. So I kind of see this trend just the beginning stages for Dobson. Now, Dobson's been doing this all season long, which is great. He's actually at an 82-point pace for the season, so to point a game. I think that's that that with the addition of Hua, which is funny. You say you bring in a coach 
and your your points are are kind of not expected to, but there's a reason to believe that his points will even go higher up. And I do believe that. So because Noah Dobson's kind of a big piece of that offense. So I do expect him to potentially land. Maybe maybe he'll land at 83 in 82. Who knows? Um, but certainly not a slowdown. So uh, go right ahead and grab him if you don't, or just keep starting him and don't even think about it. So Noah Dobson, congratulations. Number two this week. Number three, one Mr. Sean Monahan. One goal, seven assists, eight points in the last seven games. So huge trade chip here, uh, chipping in uh, points at the right time. Uh, and it's been said that it's in his contract that the Canadians will do everything in their power to trade him if the time is right and if the trade makes sense. And Sean appears to have kept his end of the agreement, not just lately, as he's had most of his produ- one of his most productive seasons since 2018. He will land in a higher point total than any other year he's had in between, sandwich in between there. So some tough years in there for him, but this will be one of his better seasons for sure. So I do kind of expect him to get traded to a quality team. Uh, he'll play potentially a bigger role there, and maybe the, his points will continue to go up where they're going or maybe even higher. So not a bad pickup uh, if you can for now <clears throat> and just wait it out a little bit. And the one uh, the one interesting thing about Sean Monahan, and of course this is I'm being biased here because this is uh, as a Habs fan, um, we're going to end up getting two first rounders for this guy. I think. I think so. Yep. Yeah, we got so. we got it's the first nice. rounder to, to take him away from Calgary, uh, and I mean, yeah. look, I, I don't want to say we're for sure guaranteed to get a first round pick. It could be a second, but um, I would imagine it's like yeah. two seconds if it is, but. The, the, it's quite uh, quite possible that Sean Monahan may get my Habs two first round selections. So here's uh, keeping our fingers crossed on that one. Sure. Um, and my beast, uh, another one. That I guess we're going to pick on you a little bit here, Mike. <laughs> Marco. Well, Rossi. you can't be picking on me now. Um, now you're picking on your brother. Now I'm picking on Joel. Yes. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So one goal, two assists, three points, last eight games. Once a highly thought of prospect by fantasy managers, he has fallen out of trust for most teams and subsequently has dropped by has been dropped by most teams. He's currently looking at a 17% own in, in uh, fantasy for fantasy managers out there for fantasy teams and a 10% start, which is way down from his last year. Um, at this rate, only keep him if you've got the room and or nothing better. Uh, he should be doing more, especially on a team loaded with offensive talent. Um, and he's at the center of it all. So it's kind of a big mystery as to why he's not putting up better numbers. He's taking, taking a huge regression right now in this season. But um, it is what it is for now. Like I said, like if you've... If you've got the space, go ahead, protect him. But I, I, I wouldn't hold my breath on him right now. Minnesota's kind of an enigma this year. Not sure what's going on there. I think there's something bigger uh, at the helm. But we'll see in the years to come, or in, in the at the by the end of this season. I'm sure there's a lot of moves that are going to happen. Maybe Marco Rossi doesn't even end up uh, um, a Minnesota Wild by the end of the season. Who knows? But uh, for now, he's not really worth much. So sorry, <laughs> like I, I'm surprised he got picked up. I, I really am, and I don't know why Joel went out and picked him up. Well, I mean, and look, I mean, he's he's building his game. He, he's uh, the the only thing for me is that I wish he would get a more consistent opportunity with better players. Um, one of the biggest reasons why I let him go now, <laughs> last night he was on the first line with Kaprizov and Zuccarello, um, but he's been basically plying his trade on the third line with that team, um, getting some cups of coffee in those first two lines. I, I just it was getting to a point for me where one. Uh, I switched over to La- Logan Stankoven um, from the uh, Dallas organization, who's the top scorer in the AHL mm-hmm. at the present moment. 
But I mean, Rossi is building his game. He just, for me, he needs a more consistent opportunity on those top two lines. I need to see him with actual offensive players rather than kind of this plugging business. Uh, Deward and guys like Duhame and um, guys on that, that, that third line out there in Minnesota. It's just, I mean, he, he's got more talent than that. Uh, I still believe in the kid. Uh, I, I I still think that he, he can be something. Um, is it in Minnesota? I don't know. Is it this year? I don't know. Um, but Marco Rossi, three points in the last eight games. You, you'd be hoping for more from this player at this point in time, even with his stunted development due to COVID-19. Um, you know, again... Is this just a case where we're going to see a little bit of a late bloomer that way? Perhaps, but could be. Yep. If we're going, if, if we're talking about right now, yeah, yeah, I could, I could see him being a beast right now. He's certainly not. I mean, he was picked ninth overall, man. He was a ninth uh, overall. Well, not just that. Darren. His first season in the league was actually an impressive one. It did. He did very well. He seemed like he could actually take on the assignments and do well with them. Now, this isn't his mm. first stint on the top line. He's played with Kaprizov a couple of times before. Um, he's had his, he's had some chances, and he hasn't capitalized on this year. And that's kind of the issue for me for this for him this year is that he's not grabbing it by the horns, per se. Like, he's not really yeah. doing much with his opportunities. And that's what's disappointing because he, he seemed to... I don't know if it's a want thing. Maybe he wanted it more last year than he does want it right now, but... Anyways, for whatever whatever the reason might be, right now just isn't the time for him. So we'll just uh, we'll just say that for now he's a beast. But like you know, again, we see what twenty one. I feel like he's super uh, young. Twenty two. I believe he's twenty two years old. Okay, so he's lots of the big time. reason why your brother picked him up too was because he's got sixty six career games played. I think it was sixty seven after last night's game there or over so the weekend. He's a, he's a so star. he fits. So he fits him into the uh, the future stars. But yeah, I mean, right now. He, Long story short, I think the hockey world would have expected a little bit more out of Marco Rossi at this point. And again, that does take into account his stunted development with COVID-19. Uh, yeah. I think we expected him to be a little bit higher than where he is right now. So Marco Rossi, you're a beast this week, buddy. <laughs> and that right there would probably be episode 17. Sure is. Uh, obviously we want, we're brought to you by the hockey podcast network. And of course we want to thank, uh, our sponsor DraftKings. Um, as, as usual, uh, please do us a favor, uh, go over to whatever you, uh, listen to your podcast and please rate and review. We sure would appreciate it. It certainly helps us, uh, uh, become grow and become bigger, uh, as a show and feel good uh, about so ourselves if you don't mind, and feel good about ourselves. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, we sure would appreciate that. Uh, and other than that, I think that's uh, episode 17 in the bag, my friend. That's a wrap. There you are. Done deal. Easy set. Thanks to everyone out there for listening. If you are interested in reaching out to us, you can email us at twoguysaleagueandsomeguests at gmail.com. You can find our latest episodes on our website at twogalag.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter for all of our info. Our handle is at twogalag. That's the number two, followed by G-A-L-A-G. Thanks for listening, and until next time.